0: Section six of Little Journeys to the Homes of Great Businessmen. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mario Pineda. Stephen Gerard, part two. On one of his trips to the West Indies, the ship of which Stephen Gerard was made stopped at the Isle of Martinique the captain and mate went ashore and were invited to dine at the house of a merchant and planter up on the hillside overlooking the sea the sugar with which the ship was loaded belonged to this planter hence the courtesies to the seafaring men of that seemingly uneventful day one incident stood out in the mind of gerard to the day of his death it seems the merchant and planter had a niece who lived in his household the girl sat at the table next to gerard she was only a child about twelve years of age women mature young in that climate and her presence caused the little first mate to lose all appetite however nothing worse happened than the spilling of a dish of soup in his lap when the girl tried to pass the plate to him which was surely more polite than to spill it in hers after dinner the young lady accompanied the party to the wharf going down the hill she talked a good deal but gerard could only say it was a fine day and looked as if there was going to be a storm the girl was tall angular and strong she climbed the rigging to the lookout and then was scolded by her uncle who was really proud of her and chuckled at her performance her features were rather coarse but her lustrous eyes and bubbling vitality caused to one some people of gerard to follow her in awe and reverence she came into the cabin and looked at his books this pleased gerard he asked her if she could read and she loftily wrote her name for him thus marie josephine rose tachier de la she handed him the slip of paper and remarked you could never remember my name so i write it out for you like this in a few minutes the order was given all ashore who are going ashore gerard kept that slip of paper and a few years afterward in a generous mood sent the girl a present of a blue shawl she wrote an acknowledgment and incidentally said she was soon to sail for france to get an education gerard was surprised that any woman would want an education and still more amazed at the probability that she could acquire one in fact, when the girl had written her name for him, he kept the slip of paper more as a curiosity than anything else. It was the handwriting of a woman. Gerard never received but that one letter from the young lady. But from his shipping agent in Martinique, word came that Marie Josephine Rose had married when sixteen. the became Beauharnais. Some years after, Gerard heard from the same source that she was a widow. Later, he learned that she had married a Corsican by the name of Napoleon Bonaparte gerard used to say that he did not come to philadelphia of his own accord but having been sent there by providence he made the best of it war was on and all american ports were blockaded how long this war would last no one knew gerard's sympathies were with the colonies and the cause of liberty was strong in his heart he was glad that france his la belle france had loaned us money wherewith to fight england yet all his instincts were opposed to violence and the pumps of army life for him had no lure he unloaded his ship put the craft at safe anchorage and settled down trying to be patient he could have sold his cargo outright, but he had a head for business prices were rising and he had time he had all the time there was he rented a store on water street and opened up a retail it was the best way to kill time until the war closed the rogue biographer has told us that gerard's ship was loaded with niggers and that these were sold by the mercenary captain and the money pocketed by himself all being fair in love and war this tale of business buccaneering has long been exploded but it is a fact that the cargo was used by gerard as his first capital he used the money wisely and well and repaid the other owners one-third being his own property with interest when the war was over it was expected that captain gerard would again take to the deck and manage his craft but this was not to be that there was a goodly dash of sentiment in his nature is shown in that after ten years he bought the boat and would have kept her for life had she not been wrecked on the florida reefs and her bonds given to the barracuda in front of gerard's little Warrior street there was a pump patronized by the neighbors gerard had been there about three months he was lonely cooped up there on land sighing for the open sea every day he would row across to his ship and look her over, sweeping the deck tiring the ropes greasing the chains calculating how soon she could mate ready for sea should news of peace come the weeks dragged slowly away gerard sat on a box and watched the neighbors who came to the pump for water occasionally there would tell a little child with jug or pail and then the crooked little storekeeper would come forward and work the pump handle among others came polly lum plump pretty pink and sixteen gerard pumped for her too he got into the habit of pumping for her if he was busy she would wait polly lum was a sort of cousin to sally lum neither had intellect to speak of polly had a cosmic urge that is all and the maroon sea captain had in him a little just a little of the salt of the sea fate is a trickster her game is based upon false pretenses she should be forbidden the males she sacrifices individuals by the thousand for the good of the race all she cares for is to perpetuate the kind poor sailor men innocent of petticoats caught in the esoteric web pumping water for Polly polylum plump pert pink and pretty and so they were married their wedding journey was in scope across to the bridegroom's ship riding at anchor her cottage creaking in the rising breeze polylum, the bride of a day was frightened there along with a one-eyed man when the rats went scurrying through the hold. She wasn't pink now—her color had turned to ashy-yellow and her heart to ashes or roses Gerard could face the wind of the north, but a crying woman on a ship at anchor whose rusty chains groaned to the dismal screech of tugging cordage under them. A lesser man—a may care fellow—could have met the issue. Gerard, practical, sensible, silent was not made for prettiness plump and pink he should have wedded a widow who could have passed him a prehensile hauser and taken his soul in tow the bride and groom rode back bedraggled to the room over the store polly could not cook she could not figure she could not keep store she could not read the philosophical dictionary nor could she even listen while her husband read without nodding her sleepy head nobody came to rescue her from the shoals and by responsibility and care win her safely back to sanity poor polly lumb gerard poor silly sailor man venus played a trick on you didn't she and on herself too the jade polly became stout enormously stout the pearl-like pink of her cheek now looked like burnt sienna mixed with chrome yellow she used to sit all day in front of the store looking at the pump she ceased to hear the pump she did not even hear its creak which she once thought musical her husband sent for a doctor chronic dementia the doctor diagnosed it. she was sent to an asylum and there she lived for thirty-eight years religiously once a month her husband went to visit her but her brain was melted and her dull dead eyes gave no sign she was only a derelict waiting for death the first six years that gerard was in philadelphia he made little headway but he did not lose courage he knew that the war must end some time and that when it did there would be a great revival of business when others were beaten out and ready to give up and prices were down he bought merchant ships were practically useless and so were for sale he bought one brand new boat and named it the water witch for this was the name he had for polly Lum when she used to come with her jug to his pump as soon as the war closed and peace was declared gerard loaded his two ships with grain and cotton and dispatched them to bordeaux they were back in five months, having sold their cargoes, bringing silks, wines, and tea. These were at once sold for a profit of nearly a hundred thousand dollars. The ships were quickly loaded again. The captains were ordered to go to Bordeaux, sell their cargoes, and load with fruit and wine for St. Petersburg. There they were to sell their cargoes and buy hemp and iron, and sail for Amsterdam. At Amsterdam they were to buy dry goods and sail for Calcutta. There they were to sell out and, with the proceeds, buy silks teas and coffees and make for america these trips took a year to make but proved immensely profitable gerard now bought more ships and very properly named the first one voltaire and the next Rousseau. by seventeen hundred ninety five he owned twenty-two ships and was worth more than a million dollars in fact he was the first man in america to have a million dollars in paying property at his disposal after he was thirty he was called old Girard he centered on business and his life was as regular as a town clock he lived over his warehouse on water street and opened the doors in the morning himself he was regarded as cold and selfish he talked little but he had a way of listening and making calculations while others were arguing suddenly he would reach a conclusion and make his decision when this was done there was all there was about it the folks with whom he traded grew to respect his judgment and knew better than to rob him of his time by haggling his business judgment was remarkably good but not unerring yet he never cried over like teal fluid on the ground when one of his captains came in and reported a loss of ten thousand dollars through having been robbed by pirates gerard made him a present of a hundred to enable him to get his nerve back and told him he should be thankful that he got off with his life he loaded the ship up again and in a year the man came back with a cargo that netted twenty-five thousand dollars gerard gave him a silver watch worth twenty dollars and chided him for having been gone so long then gerard made a pot of tea for both on the little stove in the office back of his bank for the millionaire always prided himself of being a cook his brother john had now come to join him john was also a ship captain stephen bought a third ship and called it the two brothers in loving token of the when his brother john proved to be a bad businessman although a good sailor stephen presented him his own half-interest in the ship and told him to go off and make his fortune alone john sailed away mortgaged his boat to get capital to trade upon lost money and eventually lost the boat when he wanted to come back and work for his brother stephen sent him a check but declined to take him back the way to help your poor relatives is to remit them when you go partners with them everybody loses gerard was a man of courage moral financial and physical when his ship the montesquieu arrived at the mouth of the delaware on march twenty sixth eighteen hundred thirteen she was headed off and captured by an english gunboat word was sent to gerard that he could have his boat by bringing in an inventory of the craft and cargo and paying over british gold to the amount he went down the bay in a small boat met the enemy on a frank business basis paid over one hundred eighty thousand dollars in english guineas and came sailing back to his own calm satisfaction even if to the embarrassment of the crew the boat was loaded with tea and gerard was essentially a tea merchant he knew his market and sold the montesquieu's cargo for just five hundred thousand dollars when yellow fever came like a blight to the city and the grass grew in the streets gerard gave bountifully to relieve the distress of the people but a panic of fear was upon them they forgot how to live and began to pray preachers proclaimed that the day of judgment was at hand Whole families died and left no one to look after their affairs. Every night wagons went down the streets, and a hoarse cry was heard—'Bring out your dead! Bring out your dead!' Then the old millionaire showed the heroic side of his nature. He organized a hospital at Bush Hill, and took personal charge of it. Every office that could be done for the sick and dying, he did. With his own carriage he would go to houses, and, lifting the stricken ones in his arms, carried them out and transport them to a place where they could have attention as the spirits of others sank he soared to the men who walked in the middle of the street with a sponge to their noses he would call in banter he laughed danced and sang at the pass-house things he was never known to do before fear is the only devil he wrote on a big board and put it up on chestnut street he would often call at fifty houses a day carrying food and medicine but best of all good cheer "'If death catches me, he'll find me busy,' he used to say." He showed the same courage when the financial panic was on 1810. At this time, everyone was hoarding and business was paralyzed. Gerard had $1 million to his credit with Barring Brothers in London. He drew up the whole sum and invested it in shares of the United States Bank. This bold move inspired confidence and broke the back of the panic in eighteen hundred eleven when the charter of the united states bank had expired and congress foolishly declined to renew it Gerard bought the whole outfit or all there was left of it and established the bank of stephen gerrard with a capital of one million two hundred thousand dollars when near the close of the war the government was trying to float a loan of five million dollars only twenty thousand was taken the colonies are going back to the mother country the crocker said if so all public debts will be repudiated gerard stepped forward and took the entire loan although it was really more than his entire fortune the effect was magical if old gerard was not afraid the people were not and the money began to come out of the stockings and ginger jars gerard believed in america and in her future i want to live so as to see the united states supreme in liberty justice and education he used to say he loved pets and children and if he was cold it was only to grown-ups on each of his ships he placed a new no foundland dog to keep the sailors company, he said. The wise ones said it was because a dog was cheaper than a watchman. Anyway, he loved dogs, and in his yellow gig, or under it, was always a big shaggy dog. He drove a slow-going, big, fat horse, and used to say that if times got hard he at least had a horse that could plow. During the last twenty years of his life he used to make daily trips to his farm, where Javari College now stands, and worked there like a laborer with his trees and flowers if he did not love venus he certainly did Ceres and pomona if i knew i should die tomorrow, i would plant a tree to-day he once wrote by his will gerard left many benefactors for the betterment of humanity his bequests to the city of philadelphia and the state of pennsylvania were these to the philadelphia hospital thirty thousand dollars to the pennsylvania institute for the Deaf, twenty thousand dollars To the Philadelphia Orphan Asylum, $10,000. To the Philadelphia Public Schools, $10,000. To the City of Philadelphia for the distribution of fuel among the poor, $10,000. To the Masonic Loan Association, $20,000. To the City of Philadelphia for the improvement of its streets and public squares, $500,000. To the Philadelphia Public Library, $40,000. For the improvement of canals in the state of Pennsylvania, $300,000 and greatest of all two million dollars for the founding of gerard college besides this was a residue of the estate which went also to gerard college the total value of which endowment has increased until it is now more than sixteen million dollars at the time of the death of gerard his bequests to public institutions had never been equalled by individual philanthropies in the history of the world and since then i believe only two men have given as much for the cause of education however it so happened that no public statue nor material acknowledgment of gerard's great gifts to philadelphia and the state of pennsylvania was made except at his own expense until the year eighteen hundred ninety seven when a bronze statue of this great businessman and philanthropist was erected on the north plaza of the city hall this statue has no special setting and is merely one of a dozen decorative objects that surround the square that particular clause in gerard's will which provided that no clergyman preacher or priest should ever be allowed to act as trustee for the school or ever be allowed to enter the school is still respected outwardly at least the gatekeeper challenges you thus are you a clergyman and those who fail to say flatly no are not allowed to enter horace greeley once approached the gate at gerard college wearing his usual little white necktie his spectacles and his beatific innocent smile you can't enter said the grim st peter why not? was the astonished reply. You're a clergyman. The hell I am, said Horace. Excuse me, walk right in, said Saint St. Peter. The heirs tried to break the will, basing their argument on that item concerning clergymen. The Supreme Court upheld the will, finding nothing derogatory in it to the Christian religion or public policy. Gerard did not say Christian clergyman. He was opposed to all former religions gerard had very positive ideas on the subject of education and he was the first man in america to put manual training to a practical test as a part of the school curriculum at gerard college there are now constantly more than two thousand boys who have a home and school advantages there are certain grave dangers about institutional homes for children in that there is a strong tendency to kill individuality but certain it is that gerard college has even labored and in a great degree succeeded in minimizing this tendency it is the proud boast that any boy who is graduated at gerard is able to take care of himself he can do things that the world wants done and is willing to pay for the boys are graduated at eighteen which is the age that most students who go to universities enter but gerard boys almost without exception go right into practical business and philadelphia merchants are not slow to hire them gerard college has a long honor roll of noble men who have succeeded beyond the average helping themselves by adding to the wealth and happiness of the world Great was the mariner and merchant who made these things possible. End of Section 6 Stephen Gerard, Part 2